podcast with Dan and Scott. Hottest golf podcast, whether you like it or not. Fresh from back in the day when that's a put at the park. 7 a.m. PM special where they played after dark. From the birds to the focus to the losses and the win. Welcome podcast, patron to the show, lead the pen. Get busy golfing or get busy dying. Hottest golf podcast and the swing ain't lying. Podcast patrons, Leave the Pin Podcast is super stoked to have Gas House Golf as their official clothing sponsor for the podcast. Go to gashousegolf.com, find them on all forms of social media at Gas House Golf. Gas House makes affordable, eye-catching, one-of-a-kind polos that help you stand out from the crowd. Why spend $75, $100, or even more on polos that make you look like everybody else when you can get one at an affordable price from Gas House Golf? Hit the ball a mile and look damn good doing it. Welcome back, podcast patrons. It's another episode of Leave the Pin Podcast. As always, I'm your host, Dan. I've got on my good buddy, Tyler, the creator. We're going to be joined shortly by co-host Moan Scotto, Scott Staub himself. And today is all about coaching high school. Tyler and I are both high school golf coaches. Scott's going to kind of moderate. We'll tell some stories, let you know what it's like to actually coach high school golf, um, how much coaching we actually do compared to maybe some other coaches in our league, tell some funny stories that have happened along the way, and just kind of get into the nuts and bolts of coaching future collegiate golfers. I put that in quotation, Tyler. You like that, future collegiate golfers? I like it. Uh, I'm yet to coach one that'll be a future collegiate golfer, but I look forward to it one day. Yeah, I have, uh, I've never had one. I had a, a good golfer a good golfer when i coached up north where you originally started coaching as well he played golf in college but not for a team at all um so why don't we introduce to the people tyler who you are they probably know you from all of our social media as well as doing um our graphic design but tell them who you are in the golf coaching world yeah so uh i've been coaching golf now for six or seven years i'm not exactly sure but it's been a bit. Um, I took over at North when uh, Dan, uh, he was teaching at the school I was at, and um, he decided to leave the program, and he left it to uh, me. And so I took over from him, ran that team for about six years, and then uh, just recently switched schools to actually the school that Dan teaches at. I teach there now, too, and uh, it was perfect timing when I took over my teaching position. The head coach there for golf was retiring. So I took over that program, um, and, uh, had my first year there this year. Yeah. It's funny because I kind of decided really late, 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 late last minute that I didn't want to coach up at North anymore. My kids were getting older. Uh, they would get into competitive junior golf. So it was just way too much time. So, uh, I told them, Hey, I'm not coaching. I said, but I've already pre-planned. I've got the perfect person for you. I said, I got Tyler. And he's going to step into coaching golf. And I remember sitting down with you and going over that stuff. And you're like, I don't really know how to coach golf. And I'm like, dude, it doesn't matter. We've won two matches over the last, what was the school open for at that time? 20 years or so. We won two, two matches over 20 years. Like anything you do is going to be, you know, uh, above par, above anything that they've had done, you know, before in the past. And I think you and I, go down in history as the two most successful golf coaches at East Stroudsburg North. You, coincidentally, being a little bit more successful than me. Yeah, yeah. And uh, you did say uh, anything I did would be above par. And I could promise you the kids I coached were well above par. Uh, it was uh, it was interesting. So I, I come from a – I didn't play high school golf. Uh, 
I love the sport. Um, as you guys have probably seen on social media, every time that Dan beats me, I'm not great at the sport, but I love it to death. Um, and it's kind of nice coaching the kids that are high handicappers because I was a very high handicapper. So I'm able to get them down to um, a more competitive level. I'm not, you know, working on perfect swing mechanics or anything. It's more about teaching the game. But uh, I came into golf, um, coaching golf as a previous. I used to coach swimming and uh, coach swimming for a long time. I was a swimmer in high school, swam a little bit in college and then uh, coached some very successful teams, some less successful teams uh, with swimming. And um, basically that season is six months long, six days a week. And the golf season is six weeks long four days a week. So it was a very easy choice to, now that I have two kids of my own, I wanted a little bit less time at school, a little bit more time home. So switching into coaching golf instead of coaching swimming was the right play for me. And, uh, it's been awesome. I've been loving it and I've been, you know, getting kids that have never touched a golf club in their life to fall in love with the sport. And I have multiple kids that have literally never golfed until their senior year. They decided to join the varsity golf team and then they continue. Uh, and that's kind of why I do it. I don't really, I'm not looking to, you know, get kids in the collegiate level. You know, I'm not going to have any D1 college athletes come for me, but I am going to have kids that fall in love with the game and keep the game going forever. I think one of the things that we've got to let the listeners and the podcast patrons understand is that the school that we both coached at East Stroudsburg North, even though it is in what most people would consider the boonies, um, it is definitely a lower income, um, it has the traits of a real inner city urban school. So you don't get, you, you don't get golfers. I mean, that's the bottom line. I, I remember Tyler, here's a hilarious story. I remember recruiting at the middle school one time, my third or fourth year. And I brought one of my golfers over. We went during middle school lunch. We went table to table and we asked kids, have you ever played golf? Do you have golf clubs? Have you been to, you know, pitch and putt, mini golf, anything? We probably saw a thousand kids that day. No lie. And I got one kid that told me he played mini golf. Another kid said, is it just like we golf? Because I play that on Nintendo and I'm pretty good. I beat my mom all the time. And then <laughs> the other kid, the greatest, the greatest line ever from a middle school kid. Uh, this, I guess it was a kid there that was like always in trouble. And I had on a, a very nice, very expensive pair of sneakers, and he commented on them. And he came running over to me to tell me how much he liked them. Well, he was supposed to be in, in like, middle school cafeteria timeout, and he got yelled at from across the room. And he runs back into his little cubicle, which is, like, cordoned off so he can't see people. He's eating lunch by himself. And as he goes past, I hear the lady yelling at him, and she's like, you've got to sit down. You're always in trouble. You can't be doing this stuff. You're going to get another day of lunch detention. And he looks at me, and he goes, it was so worth it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, so my last year coaching up there, uh, I was able to reach out to um, uh, a sporting goods company and get them to give a donation to the golf program because – 60% or more of our students were on free or reduced lunch. Um, most of them, I would say, I don't know the exact numbers, but over half of them, their parents live and work in the city and come yep. home on the weekends. 
Um, and these kids, they, they don't have the extra income to go out and even try a local Muni golf course. Uh, well, you know just, what I, you know what I think it really shows. And I think you and I both see this a ton is that there is a very big barrier to entry to golf and, and we lived it and experienced it, not for you and I per se, but for these kids, they, there was no way that they were ever exposed. And even if they were exposed and decided that they liked the sport, they realized that, look, I can't afford clubs, balls, tees, clothing, rides to a course, payment for a course, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. I mean, um, when I was a kid, I mean, I grew up in a, um, you know, a middle-class home and, uh, it was even tough for us when I wanted to start golfing more. Um, it was always, you know, if you do this, we can't do this. Um, and so it's really nice now with my son, he's eight and coaching with the team. It's not, we, we do not play at the best course in the world. Um, but they have been amazing to us and, uh, I can show up with my eight year old son whenever I want and get on the course for free. And so he's getting more exposure to golf than I ever got than most kids get. Um, and so, you know, I've learned from the best to uh, learn ways to not have to pay a lot for golf. You know, I, I realized, and I know you're mentioning me, I realized <laughs> <laughs> the longer I get into this podcasting game, golf social media, meeting people. Um, I mean, hell, Tyler, the other day someone called me a social media influencer. <laughs> That's what I've always thought of you as. Well, I, I, I don't. I never <laughs> want to be called that whatsoever. But the more that I see it, the more I realize that for a lot of people, there is this crazy barrier to entry into golf. However, a lot of golf is free. You know, like if you're in business and you know people, golf is literally free. I mean, I, you know, I, I don't want to brag and I, I hate saying this, but I've literally had or have received thousands of dollars, maybe even tens of thousands of dollars at this point of free golf, right? Because it's just, hey, go ahead. You can go out and play. You know, yeah. it's not like I'm getting, I, I, you know, I'm not getting anything tangible, right? People are not giving me golf balls or, or carts or clubs or bags, but the act of golf, you know, really is free. And you know, what I've talked to pros all the time is, and, and I mean, you know, head pros at courses and stuff, not PGA pros, is that once they make their money for the day, per se, you know, they have so many rounds during the day they can just give out to people. And it's great exposure for that course. But if you're not in this business, if you don't do what we do, you know, how do you come upon that aside from dumb luck? Well, it's also because um, you and I have played a lot. And you and I are the same where, you know, we, if we get given, you know, if somebody says, oh yeah, you can come out for free. We're not calling them up and going, Hey, uh, 10 AM Saturday. Can we get on 8 AM Saturday? Can we, can we get on the course? It's we'll do like, we play a lot of evening golf. We play a lot of afternoon golf, um, stuff where the course has openings and we're not, you know, we're fixing up the course as we play. Uh, I mean, I know yep, you and I are big. always that's fixing big. ball marks and they kind of respect it because we're there, we're playing and you know, we're making sure the course is running nice and it doesn't cost them a dime to put us on the course. No, not at all. Hey, so our guest moderator, 
Moan Scotto, Scott Stab just, you know, flew in from upstate New York. Uh, Scott, <laughs> what's the good word? What is the good word? It's uh, it's freezing here. It's like twenty yeah, degrees below. Yeah, God. Uh, there's snow on the ground. It 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 couldn't be less golf friendly at the moment. So, um, is what it is. Tyler, Tyler and I had a two hour delay today because of the snow. Did you get any impact up there? Uh, and my daughter had a two hour delay, and I did not. Which, I mean, whatever. I just went in two hours late. Is what it is. Is what it is. Exactly. Um, so. We had, you know, we were just kind of talking about how we got into coaching golf and and this, that, and the other, and and kind of the big barrier to entry that is golf for most of the kids that we coach. Uh, but I guess now, in, in present day, Tyler and I are both coaching two completely different high schools. I'm at Pleasant Valley where my son Lydon plays, and people have seen him on Instagram and whatnot. Tyler is at the school that we teach at, East Stroudsburg South, which has a completely different demographic than the North High School does. Uh, we're Ill, we're still all in the same league. We're all in the EPC 18. We have an enormous conference. There's 18 teams that stretches from the valley all the way up to the north most. I mean, God, what am I, am I lying, Tyler? If I say an hour and 45 away from the furthest God, south school, Emmaus to north is without a doubt hour and 45. Yeah, yeah. So I'm um, you're you're t- you're talking a hike. You're talking the entire northeastern portion of Pennsylvania. That's that's our conference alone. So. Highly competitive, uber competitive, um, and pretty cool. But, Skyler, so you're going to serve as moderator tonight. I don't have to – I can take off my interview um, guys and just be a, a regular guest right now. I love it. Yep, definitely. So, uh, yeah. So, welcome podcast patrons. <laughs> little uh, the flip, flip the script a little bit on Dan, um, who's uh, he's usually the one headlining this thing, and – but uh, today you get to sit in the guest chair, and I like this. This is it's comfy over here. You know, we must have a real high budget for this guest chair. I was gonna say you look you look real comfy. Uh, I'm in my like office chair, and so uh, yeah. All Tyler, right. where Tyler, where are you? I'm sitting in my son's room at his <laughs> desk because it's the only quiet place in my house. I love it. I love it. You know, we, we, we've talked kind of a lot about like the start of this podcast and how like the earliest episodes are, are kind of like borderline unlistenable. And I recorded our first couple um, from our mudroom, um, which is like downstairs in a basement. I was sitting on a, a folding chair. So, well, and they're also lost in the ether right now because I believe they're on some, uh, on some other, I don't know, Discord server from what was that dude's? Uh, what was oh. the name of his thing? His <laughs> logo was a dumpster fire, wasn't it? <laughs> like, I'm dead serious. I think his logo was a dumpster fire. Yeah, I think that's what our first few episodes were. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Um, so, 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 speaking of dumpster fires, um, not even really, but uh, the golf seasons that you guys hosted or, or coached this year were not uh were not dumpster fires from what i understand um, yeah i mean uh, hell we had uh we we went eight and eight um which was the first 500 or above record in uh gosh i think almost 20 years at at pv so uh and and i'll tell you what with you know we have so we have one golfer 
right? We have one junior golfer. Uh, you know, I'm not ashamed to say this. My son, he's the hardest worker in the room. And then we have a very athletic number two who shoots somewhere in the mid eighties. Um, and then from there, we've got three kids that, you know, know how to swing a club, but I don't think anybody in any way, shape or form would call them golfers. The, the, the kid, the number two kid, is he, would you call him a golfer who's athletic or just an athletic kid who kind of like understands like how to move his body and, and can swing a golf club effectively? That's actually a great question. I, he, so he's a basketball player as well. He used to play baseball. Um, he, but he loves golf. Like he really does love golf. So even in the spring, summer and, and leading into the fall, like past golf season, he's always playing with his mom and stuff. But I wouldn't consider him a golfer. Like, he's just a straight muni course kid. If you put him, like, any time that we play the private country clubs, I mean, he blows up. Can't chip, can't putt type deal, you know? Um, gotcha. You know, whereas, like, I would consider a real golfer can probably, within a hole or two, get a feel of those type of greens. But the thing is, you know, God, I remember the first time I ever played greens that were super fast and, like, I looked like I never played golf before, you know, because, Scott, you and I grew up playing, you know, Eisenhower and, and Caniac yeah. Park on Long Island and just, you know, complete but, tracks. Yeah, abs absolutely. And, and by the way, I, we have to do a, uh, a, a My Core series on Caniac Park. Oh, 100%. That's, your, that's yours, without a mm -hmm. doubt. You've got that reserved. Tyler, what, Tyler, about, what, what yeah. about you? How would your season go? So, uh, as compared to where I used to coach, it was a very successful season. Uh, however, we definitely have areas to grow. The one thing I changed this year, um, at North recruiting golfers was always very tough. And the way I did it was I would go to the AP classes and I would recruit kids that are going to go into business fields. I'd be like, Hey, you're going to have meetings on the course one day. You don't need to be good at it. You just need to be good enough that nobody knows how bad you are. Um, and I, found that I was always fighting an uphill battle because a lot of times kids that are in AP classes don't necessarily have the best body control and athletic ability. Um, <laughs> this year I uh, took a kid on who was a going into his senior year. He's a baseball player. Um, he was in Dan's uh, advanced strength class in the spring and Dan and I convinced him to come out for golf. Uh, he started the year, his first uh, round that he ever played he shot a 144. Uh, we picked the ball up at double par. So okay. he picked the ball up on every hole. Uh, and by the end of the year, he was averaging 100 and shot under 100 a couple times. Uh, and it kills me that he was a senior and that I didn't have more time to work with him because our season's six weeks long. And in six weeks, mm -hmm. he went from double parring everything to being able to shoot under 100. So I think that changed how I'm going to be recruiting from now on. And I'm going to be looking for those baseball players that don't do a fall sport. Um, softball players, get them out. Uh, I have a girl that's a softball player and she did the same thing, came out and just worked hard all year. And you can see the drops. You know what? I think that's a great example that regular people listening to this podcast can take in is that if you put that time in, like this is a six week time frame. And granted, this is someone that didn't know about golf and dropped all those strokes. <laughs> But if you really and truly dedicate yourself to this game, I mean, you will see improvement. Yeah, I, I mean, and that that six week time frame, like, there's only so much improvement you're going to see in six weeks. But 
Um, if you get a kid who's who's young and athletic and willing to work at it, like yeah, you're you're definitely gonna get something. But yeah, I mean that that especially like grabbing a senior at the end, like that definitely puts a limitation uh, on you know how 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 much improvement you're gonna see and and the amount of kids that that might potentially be interested in because I know like a lot of kids, um, you know, back in in the days when I was in the classroom, there were kids who were into other sports who wouldn't try out for things because they didn't want to not play. They didn't want to not be good. Um, yeah, you get, for like, sure. Competitive kids. That that's just not like something they're interested in. Um, what about uh, in terms of other sports that go on um, in the, the fall? Cause the, the seasons are a little bit different in Pennsylvania than New York. Um, is there like a, a, recruiting you know ground that you would tap into that is just not available to you because those kids are all into another sport that's like huge in your um in your area in your school like for example like my school like girls field hockey is like the top sport and that pulls away from the girls soccer team which runs at the same season yeah we have yeah uh, i mean we have soccer we have soccer uh cross um, country cross country um football football uh yep. fall cheerleading field hockey yeah uh, volleyball um they all, i, I think all fall you know sports. what i think if 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 field hockey didn't fall in the same season i bet you you could get some really good field hockey girls with that natural motion because it's it's like hockey you know what i mean and look yep. at hockey players they're just natural you know at hitting like these these Big old power draws. Um, I think you could probably definitely get a few of those. We've actually been successful, believe it or not, getting cross country kids to leave cross country to play golf. And it, you know, and it's you know, I don't want to sound like a jerk, like oh, I'm taking these kids away, you know. But they realize, hey, man, I'd rather be walking five and a half, six miles and enjoying myself than having to run three miles or so. Uh, we have two converted cross country kids on our golf team. Yeah, next year we're running into an issue because. Um, uh, I have two kids that are in band, marching band, as well as golf. And mm-hmm. uh, they're changing their practice schedule. Instead of practicing at night, they're going to practice after school. And uh, so they're going to have to choose between golf and marching band. And I, I don't know what they're going to choose. Golf's six weeks. They both love it. But marching band's a, band's a class that they're in all year long. So, you know, it's going to be an uphill battle to fight for them to choose for golf. But we'll see how it goes. Here's one of the things that I think is real interesting mm-hmm. is that we get kids too, and I'm sure you do, Tyler, as well, that are kind of like, well, coach, I can't make every practice because I work. You know, it's one of those things where we're a varsity sport, but I'm also really understanding to that because they're not good, right? Like, yes. honestly, they suck at golf. So it's so hard to tell a kid, hey, man, you need to come to practice and keep shooting 130s and not work. You know, it's like if I'm a kid, I'm like, like, coach, I suck at this sport. I'm only here because maybe my friends are or I like you or I like being out of the course. But let's be honest, I could be doing something productive with my time and making money. So we run into that a little bit as a problem as well. There's that. And there's the, um, you know, Leiden has the opportunity. But how many kids do we have that have the opportunity to go to an indoor range uh, during the winter? I mean, we're we're shut down pretty much for golf yeah. for five months a year. And, you know, some well, kids... the, the sickos aren't, the sickos are only shut down for maybe two and a half, three months. 
I, but I, I, yeah, the the normal people, yes, I get it. Hmm. You're right. You you and I played on snow before, but yeah, uh, but the kids they they hang up their clubs, they don't touch them, and so so many things you have to reteach year after year. Uh, intramural start, and I'm like, oh, we're starting at ground zero again. Um, just let, let me go ahead. We we don't have where we're at. Um, I mean, I'm about 30 minutes. Uh northeast of where dan's at and me to me the closest decent indoor simulator is still about 45 minutes away to get to the one that dan's been going to is probably about an hour uh hour and 15 yeah, from my house you. yeah so it's there's there's really nothing around here for the kids to be able to do besides go out on you know the dog track courses that'll let them go out when the greens are covered in snow um you know, a lot of the courses just won't let them on. So there's not a lot of options for them. I think, uh, you know, you mentioned it before with intramurals and we both run intramurals throughout the summer um, and leading right up to the season. And it's funny because <clears throat> a lot of people say all the time, they're like, well, you're a golf coach. You know, you don't really do much. You just kind of follow around the, the kids on the course. You give them water, ask them about their score, maybe talk about putting a little bit, uh, course management. But it's funny because you and I both, have only ever coached golf teams that are not very good. And so the teaching and coaching that we do is astronomical compared to some of these other teams that win the league or, or go on to states because every single one of those starting five kids have their own private instructor. They're members at private courses. Uh, it's just a different type of child that we're coaching compared to maybe some more of these money school districts or maybe not even money school districts, but people with access to courses you know yeah. our, look everyone knows our nine hole course indian mountain is our home course right like the goat track of all goat tracks and even though they've put money into it not a single person in the world would mistake this course for a high-end private country club yeah well i mean we are we are coaches and some of the coaches of the best teams are more chaperones than coaches that's um, a great will, way of putting it I nice guys say names. But you're right I won't say names, um, but there's they're a coach, not. They're not listening anyway. There's a coach, <laughs> I know there's a coach from a Lehigh Valley team that told me um, he corrected a thing in a kid's swing, and the next day they're at practice, and a guy pulls up on a golf cart and starts cursing at him, going, "What do you think you're doing? I'm his swing coach. You don't tell him what to do. You take him from point A to point B, and you give him water." <laughs> yeah, it's well, it's unreal, man. It's unreal. That- that's great. I, I mean, and that's definitely accurate, like in terms of, of the chaperone versus coach. Like I know like the, the golf coach air quote uh, in the, the school that I, I worked in um, at one point, not the current one. Um, I don't think it ever picked up a golf club. He was just a guy who was willing to chaperone. Uh, and he actually at one point reached out to me. He's like, Hey, like, can you show like these kids like something? And I'm like, yeah, sure. Like what? And he's like, oh, I don't know anything about golf. Just come and watch them and decide what you want. Like, I'm, okay. Um, well, here, here's a funny story. The guy that has now taken over <laughs> where, where Tyler and I both coached literally does not know anything about golf. And when I say anything, I mean anything. So he's also the rifle coach. He's like, the girls' tennis coach, and he also picked this up. So one of our first matches, I'm introduced to this individual. And they say, oh, 
and he coaches at PV. He actually used to coach up north, and the guy, like, his eyes lit up. Um, and he said, hey, hey, man, I got a few questions for you. I said, yeah, of course, man. What do you, you know, what do you need? And he's like, so I've got two kids. Oh, okay. I said, two kids ready to go out? He's like, no, I have two kids on my team. I said, two kids on your team. That's awesome. I said, congratulations. Real good, you know, recruiting there. And I know Tyler had a bunch more before that, and so did I. I so I had eight last year. Yeah, so my highest ever was was nine. Um, so he said, uh, yeah, I got these two kids, and um, so I'm just going to send them off of this hole right here. I'm like, you can't. That's not the first or the tenth hole. They have to play with, like, other scoring markers. And he's like, what do you mean by scoring markers, like playing partners? Like, well, he has to, they have to play with other kids from other teams. So we know that they're keeping accurate score. And he's like, oh, we haven't – we do this thing where if a kid gets a real high number, they pick the ball up and go to the next hole. I said, oh, you play like double par. I said, yeah, that's cool. You know, we do too. Whatever. So he goes out, and he goes out with both these two kids. And within 100 yards off the tee, both of the kids pick the ball up, jump on the back of his cart, zoom off to number 11. I watch. Another 100 yards. They both pick the ball up. Get in this. They finished nine holes in like 48 minutes, these two kids, because they never even made the green. Yeah. That's, <laughs> yeah. that's yeah. not and golf. Th- their their practice uh their practice or their home course is the same as my home course and um the running joke in the district this year was that i had to coach two teams and got one paycheck because during practices i'd have to go up to those kids and be like hey guys you got to do this you can't be doing this uh he was giving them carts and letting them drive around carts at practice they're they're, (laughs) i didn't know that that's awesome they're 14 year old kids almost rolled it down a hill one day. Uh, and I was just like, Hey, you, you can't do that. What? Why not? But because they're, it's the school's insurance money. If they flip a cart, that's going to come back on you. Really? Yeah. Yeah. You can't do that. Hey, hey Tyler, what's your home terrific. course? Uh, Pocono Hills. Formerly Fernwood, you know what? Thank you. Fernwood okay. Got. That, that yeah. explains it. Okay. It's a, uh, yeah, it's, I, I, it's 14 really nice holes and four that are like, wh- what were you thinking? Like, in what planet is this a good idea? It's probably yeah, been th- like 20 years, but Dan and I definitely played there. I think that's a the, that's a, a good way of putting it, Tyler. You got 14 good holes and then you got 14 holes designed by a recovering heroin addict that lives under a bridge. It, it, it just fit the landscape. So they just threw a flag in and called it good. Yeah. No, I mean, that's there's about a, right. There's a, there's a hole there. Uh, it's hole 17. It is as a crow <laughs> flies, uh, 260 yards par five. Mm-hmm. Um, it is a 210 yards to a 90 degree turn, actually more than 90, like an, acute yeah, it is more than 90, a, like an acute angle of a dog leg to then go back uphill another hundred yards. So it's the, it's super easy, but, um, kids all the time think they should hit driver. They're like, it's a par five. I should hit driver. And then they end up driving through the, like, uh, driving through the fairway onto the other, onto hole 10. And, but I've been there with actually a coach from another team who there's uh villas that block off where the green is to where the tee box is. And he was like, the green's right over those villas. Right. 
And I'm like, yeah. He's like, you know, if I tee this up really high, I can get over those villas and I can put it on the green. And it's the first and probably only time in my life I'll ever see an albatross putt. Um, but he didn't sink the putt, but he tapped in for Eagle. Uh, his He had an albatross putt from like 25 feet away. And I was like, that's stupid. You know, that, that story could have gone one of two ways. And I'm glad it went the way that it did. Um, but there there's also the, yeah, if I tee it up real high, I can hit it over those villas. And then the ball hit the window and we ran. Uh, so. Tyler, way, how many times? Way, how many times have you hit those? I haven't hit those on uh, on fourteen. Uh, I've hit those houses multiple times. It's the one with the elevated green, long par four, <laughs> the elevated green. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because yeah, if yeah. you hug the left side of the fairway, <laughs> it gives you the best approach shot because it takes that big tree uh, out yeah. of the green. So I yep. always hug the left side of the fairway, and sometimes I've I squeezed a little too hard on my hug. <laughs> I like I've hit, that. I like I've that. hit windows. I've hit siding multiple times. But all I do is I put my club away calmly, get back in my cart, and drive backwards. That's all. That's all. So uh, uh, let's go back to the, the coaching. Um, so I, I, I know kind of Dan's like high school golf history. Um, but uh, Tyler, did, did, you, did you play golf in high school? I didn't. Um, I... When I was tell him what sports you played. So when I was a kid, uh, my dad is a two-time New Jersey State champion football player. My brother was a uh, really good football player in the Hall of Fame at our high school. Um, So I was like, oh, I got to play football. I love football. I love watching football. Uh, I suck at football, Um, and I tried really (laughs) hard, but I just I wasn't good. Uh, So my freshman sophomore year, I played football. Uh, I was a four-year varsity swimmer. Um, and then I think I did track once or twice, just throwing shot, put around and javelin and just kind of goofing off. Uh, but then, uh, did you swim for Dan? Uh, Dan was my coach, my senior year. It was like his second year teaching. Um, but, uh, I, when I first joined, like, I'm not a natural athlete. Um, when I first, come on, (laughs) when I first joined (laughs) swimming, um, the head coach at the time pulled my dad aside and told told him uh, he should quit. My dad was like, what? He's like, he should quit. He's not good enough. And my dad told me that. And I took that as like, I was like, no, I'm going to F you. I'm not going to quit. I'm going to prove you wrong. I actually asked him years later why he did that. And he said, because I could tell you, you were the type of person that would piss you off and make you work harder. Um, but I started to get a lot better at swimming. I found my niche in that niche, whatever. Uh, which was the 500 um, distance event and fell in love with it. So I just decided year round to focus on swimming and to keep working hard at that. Um, and then, yeah, so I swam there and then I swam very briefly in college. My first college at Elon university. Um, we went to our first, it was like kind of a club team and we went to our first meet and it was against Duke university. And the kid from Duke beat me by a minute in the 500 <laughs> and I hit the wall. I pushed up out. I looked at the water and I said, and that's that I'm done. <laughs> and uh, that was my I'm last, com- that was my last competitive <laughs> swim meet was getting beat by a minute by, by a kid from Duke. He swam a four thirty two, and I swam a five thirty eight. And uh, I was like, yep, I'm done. All right. I'm out of here. Well, let me, let me, let me tell this story. 
to, to make you feel a little bit better about yourself. Um, I actually am a very good athlete. <laughs> and, and I wrestled Division One in, in college. But I also played in the golf club team because Scott and I have been playing golf. And I thought I was actually pretty good at golf. And so long story short, I get pulled into our first tournament of the year, which we are hosting at Great Bear. We are on hole number one. You know it, Tyler. It kind of dog legs out, you know, a little bit. And all the carts are lined up on the left-hand side. Now, I've been playing golf for maybe two years at this time. Maybe. You know, but like the way Scott and I used to play, like, hey, take another mulligan. Hey, that's good. Don't worry about it. Hey, just drop a ball there. You're fine. Oh, you found one in the woods? Ah, no, no penalty. So I've been playing with the golf team for about two weeks. And the coach said, hey, we don't have enough people to field the team. Can you play this Saturday? And I was like, hell yeah, I can. Right? Had nothing to do, no no wrestling practice, no nothing whatsoever. So I'm playing with a buddy on my team and two kids from Penn State. And I tee off last. And everyone smokes, it hits the fair when I'm like, I'm ready to go, man. You know. And look, I had no business playing any sort of competitive golf at this time. I probably had no business being on a golf course at this time, to be honest with you. So all the carts are lined up. There's probably 20 carts filled with coaches, filled with kids waiting to tee off. And I duck hook one so hard into these carts. Kids scatter. Coaches duck, run for cover. The ball is rattling underneath one of the carts. It finally settles. I take another ball out of my bag, and I go to tee it up. And the kid on the team stops me and says, Dan, what are you doing? I said, I'm just going to tee another one up. My buddy and I do it all the time. It's fine. Don't worry about it. He <laughs> says, bro, this is a competitive collegiate tournament. You've got to play that one where it lies. I said, no, no, stupid. You can't. It's under a cart. I got to tee another one up. He goes, if you tee another one up, you're going to be hitting your third shot. I'm like, no, I'm not. That one didn't count. It's not in play. (laughs) So let's just say the rest of the round went like that. I shot 131 in my first competitive collegiate golf tournament. Finished dead last by probably, I don't even know, probably 40 strokes. Um I did make one par that entire day. That's yeah. It was that's that's one of the last times that I felt completely and utterly humiliated on a course. Like I just I wanted to hide. I didn't ah. want to sign my score. I wanted to just get in the car and go home and like not talk to a soul. I can tell you the last time I was humiliated on a course, it was uh last time I beat you? Nah, nah. No. I mean you had a ringer on your team when you played me, so uh <laughs> Dan played with my son and I played with his son and uh, mm. Dan beat me. Um, but uh, we had, this was about three years ago. We had a match at Bethlehem Muni and I forget what hole it is. I think it's maybe like seven uh, coming back. The roads on your right. Um, as you're teeing off the roads on your right. And I hit this thing. Oh, that's nine at, at nine. Okay. And I just push yeah. it. I just push it but it had a little bit of a draw to it. So I push it over the road and then it draws to maintain a perfectly straight line with the road. (laughs) And the coach from Liberty's like, you've got to be kidding me. And I don't know how I didn't hit a car. It hopped like three different cars on the road and went off. And all the coaches for the rest of the day were just 
mercilessly mocking me. And I was so humiliated. I was like, I can't believe I just did that. I look like such an idiot. I almost ruined somebody's car. And uh, yeah, that was the most, uh, I had my head down in shame the rest of the day. And it doesn't make it better when my kids come back and I had one kid under a 115. And I'm like, okay, we're going to go home now. You guys have a great day. Scott, just pretend you're when never was here, you, please. Scott, when was your last kind of uh, wanted to hide your head in the sand moment on a golf course? Uh, I mean, the, the one that most sort of like sticks out of my head and it's fairly recent um, I was playing in the the semifinals of the the club championship at Southern Duchess in 2019, and I had been leading up leading my match up until like the 16th hole, um, and then the the guy I was playing with, you know, he he got it up even. Um, and there's this one hole where it's it's one of those holes where if you hit your drive kind of like anywhere on the fairway, you'll be okay, and if you don't, then it's going to be a problem. And I, I hit mine on the fairway and I'm thinking, all right, well, like I'm, I'm in great shape right now. He hits his on the fairway, not too far from mine. And uh, the whole, the, the fairway and the, the, the holes like next to the green for um, another hole. And I'm out in the fairway. I'm kind of, you know, everyone kind of on that hole. We know it's the semifinals of the club championship. They're kind of watching. They're all stopping. Uh, checking it out and I, I shanked my my second shot um, into a tree kind of not too far from the third hole so then I had to walk over the third green then I had to walk over to the green where this group of people who were watching the match while you know completing their round were kind of waiting they're sitting there now I got a little audience and let's just say it took me about four shots to get up to where the green is and it, 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 it again just having the crowd around me just did not make it any better yeah it's it's a tough game man it'll humble you in a in a heartbeat well and then to, and then actually i should probably rewind a little bit the hole before i hadn't been putting all that well all day i stuck my tee shot to probably like four feet the uh, guy who was playing with me at a long birdie putt and he just looked at me and he's like, the way you've been putting, I'm making you putt that. And I missed it. Oh. So, yeah. Yeah. So, real real quick, going back to uh, just this past <clears throat> season with high school golf, I figure you guys like this story. Uh, Dan, this story might ring a bell or two. Okay. So, it's, uh, <clears throat> it's match day against Easter Osberg South and PV. It's the last match of the year. Yeah, and, uh, yeah that, you know, I was going to reference this. This was, I told you that, that was a, go ahead. And so, uh, you know, Dan and I are out, we're hitting a couple holes. Dan's the assistant coach of his team. I'm the head of my team. I don't have an assistant. Um, and so we're out playing and uh, the head coach from his team is out <laughs> doing his own thing. And uh, all of a sudden I get a message from one of my kids like, yo, coach, something's going on out here. I'm like, what are you talking about? He's like, yo, you need to get to seven right now there's there you just got to see it i'm like what what's going on so dan and i head over to seven head coach of dan's team is i, I like covered in i forget what they're called but those little like sticky things that like yeah like from uh from like the pricker bushes basically yeah <laughs> and he's just 
You can't even see him. All of a sudden, you just see balls come flying from these this brush out on the middle of the fairway. Was this is not an exaggeration? Three hundred balls just in the middle of a fairway Easily. during a varsity Easily. match. Like if any kid hit their ball in there, and he said he goes, "Yeah, a, a kid hit theirs in there." I just told him to pick one and go with that one. Just so, throwing out balls. It and this these were the crappy ones. He was keeping the good ones and filling up a, you know, those like giant, um, like cheese ball buckets. Mm-hmm. He had it filled with Chrome Softs, uh, with Pro V ones, with like Bridgestone E sixes, just filled to the brim. This guy is a lunatic. Just, just grabbing everything. It was amazing. It was the best thing I've ever seen. So I've got to give some context to this story because it needs it. So the guy that has been coaching for 30 plus years, he's ready to retire. He's, he's retiring when Leiden graduates. That's his plan. So he's been coaching and he doesn't really like a great guy. He's awesome. Love him to death, but he doesn't really coach. I do the coaching. He wanders in the woods and collects balls. And Tyler's not exaggerating. If he gets less than 500 balls on a golf course, he considers that a loss. So he resells them on eBay. He resells them to random people. Um, we In our storage shed, in our golf storage shed that we have at one of the soccer fields that we use as a makeshift driving range, we have 20,000 golf balls in there, in boxes. Okay, boxes that hold 1,000 balls. We have 20 of them. I said, this is enough to last until I die. Why do you keep collecting them? He goes, I, I don't know. I think I think I'm addicted. I think it's a habit. I can't break it. We, just, Scott, we, Scott, we, listen, no, he can't. We were at the district finals and he says, Hey, take the cart and score these kids. I got to go into the cornfields with a backpack and just came out with like 400 balls, three holes later, covered in mud, covered in corn stalks and stuff. It, it's insane. He goes anywhere. And he's been doing this for years. And every other, every one of the other coaches in the, in the conference in the league knows it. So they know that, like, hey, we're not going to see Steve for about two hours or so till he collects balls, and then he'll come back and play with us a little bit. He's he's like the the guy like at the range or something like that who's got, you know, like a little like table or something that he sets up and he's just got a bunch yes. of balls and ziploc bags. That's him. So yeah. I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna tell and and honestly, Tyler, that and that I told you that when we left that day the the day that Tyler's referencing was probably like my favorite coaching moment of all time because I was coaching against one of my best friends who is one of my old students who's now coaching against my son as I'm coaching my son and it was the night that lie set the school record for the lowest season scoring average there he needed to shoot I don't remember what he needed to shoot I think he needed to shoot like 74 or 75 that day and he shot Seven right two seventy sixty nine, uh, I think he shot. I think he shot sixty nine, sixty nine there to to do it and uh, like it was awesome because he was playing with two of your seniors who were great kids, and I mean the vibes that like it was just it was so cool. I remember just walking off with Tyler and being like, dude, this is a moment like that will completely be ingrained in, in my memory, not just my golfing memory, my memory. But going back to to scavenging golf balls. I'm going to tell this hilarious story when I coach up north. And I got tons of stories about this, but this is the best one. 
<laughs> our I course, yeah, our course had a pond on it, right? This downhill par three, 176 yards, played like 155, really downhill. People that know mountain golf and Poconos golf, they understand what I'm talking about. And I'm playing with my top kids, and then I'm jumping back into groups to play with them as they play through. And these two kids were my last group of the day. So they were like my fifth group, like the, the eight and nine or the nine, 10, whatever it is. So I jump back to them, but they're not on the tee box. So I drive all around. I don't see them. I'm thinking maybe they walked it in because they were getting too hot. And it was, a, it was like a scorch, like 95 out, you know, type deal. They were stopping for water every two holes. And I see my one and two up by the clubhouse. I said, guys, have you seen Geo? Have you seen Darium? No, coach. We Okay, I go to my threes and fours, same question. No, five, six, same question. Seven, eights, no, same question. Oh, I said, this is not good. I've lost two kids on a golf course. But how can you lose two kids on a golf course? There's nowhere you can really go. And this particular course was surrounded by main roads, so there's nowhere you can go. So I said, guys, you got to fan out. I said, get carts, go out. We got to find these two kids. I'm circling back past this par three, and I just hear, coach. Coach, I got two of my golfers, no shirts on, pants rolled up to their knees, waiting in this pond. They must have had 500 balls that they pulled out. They had a system, Scott. They were already separating them by brand. They were cleaning them with the water that they were supposed to be drinking, pulling them off, and then stacking them in little pyramids. So they are beyond excited. Now, I haven't seen these kids in 45 minutes. I thought I lost them. I'm ready to call the police that I got missing children here. They are down there setting up shop, opening like their own business in the middle of a pond. I said, guys, what the hell are you doing? Well, coach, you wouldn't understand. We just hit two balls into the pond. I was like, let's check. They went by the edge. We checked, and it's like a gold mine down here. So we just we, we couldn't stop. We thought we pulled them all out, and then we saw more. Covered in algae, pants soaking wet. I said, guys, where are your shirts? They're like, oh, we put those in the car so they didn't get dirty. So then they start yelling to all of our kids, come on over. What do you like? You like Britstones? You like TaylorMade? You like Titleist? It was, oh, my God. Yeah, it was great. It's fantastic. Kids are hilarious sometimes. So let me ask you this question because those are moments that you'll always remember as a coach. And, <laughs> and as – and, and both of you were, were high school athletes in different sports. Are there any sort of lessons you took from your coaches um, that you've sort of applied to the, the kids that you coach now? Uh, and, you know, Dan, I know you were real co close with your wrestling coach. I know yep. he was very, very motivational for you. Very inspirational. hundred um, percent. Still, still talk to him to this day. Still do. Yeah, um, still go ahead, Tyler. Well, you still talk to your coach too. Yeah, I still talk. I'm talking to my coach right now. Uh, yeah, I mean, so Dan took over uh, the assistant coach of swimming my senior year. Never swam a day in his well, I mean, he swam, but never competitively swam a day in his life. But uh, he was doing more of the strength and conditioning outside of the pool. Um, but I learned a lot from from Dan, uh, from other coach Adam. Uh, but mainly, like. Um, Golf, I'm much more relaxed. Uh, when I used to coach swimming, I was a different coach. It was, you know, with golf, kind of you have to be a lot more relaxed. A lot, you know, it's not as much coaching as like guiding and you know talking them through stuff. Because if I coach the way I coach swimming, kids would shut down immediately. 
Uh, cause I mean, I always called when I was a swimmer and when I coached swimming, I always called it, it's basically an abusive relationship while you're there. It's the most miserable thing in the world. And you're like, I hate this. I need to get out. I need to get out. And the second you walk away, you're like, ah, that was good. I'm glad I did that. That was, I, I want to go back. Um, and where golf's the opposite, like while they're there, I want them relaxed. Like I try to really, uh, the biggest thing I try to do with my kids is get them out of their heads. Um, and, and tell them, I mean, this is something that Dan's told me because he's played with me long enough. I was actually thinking about it today. The first time I played golf with Dan was I was 18. It was right after I graduated high school. So that's now 19 years ago. Um, so it's been a while. Um, but uh, Dan's seen me have like full brain meltdowns on the course. And I, the best words he ever told me where and like somebody else could hear this and be like, that's that's not that's not great advice, but to me it is. It's everyone sucks at golf. Like you you're not a scratch golfer. Don't think that you're going to be a scratch golfer immediately. Like work on your game. And so for the you know, for my first 10 years of really playing golf, I played like how Dan played with his buddies before competitive, you know. Oh, you hit it in the woods, just re tee up another one, it's fine. And I'm walking around telling people like, yeah, I'm like a, I'm like a nine, 10 handicap. <laughs> and then I was like, no, you know what? I'm actually just going to like, the number doesn't mean anything. And so then I started keeping my actual handicap. And at first it was crazy depressing to go from what I thought was a single digit handicap to a healthy double digit handicap. Um, but now I'm able to like see that and move on. And I don't get so pissed off when I have, you know, a bad hole. And I try to push that on the kids. Like you're going to have bad holes. You're not a scratch golfer. Like you're going to have a blow up hole, get it out of your head, move on to the next one. And don't have two bad holes in a row. Um, Cause so much of golf is so psychological. And I mean, let's be honest, high schoolers aren't exactly the uh, least emotional people, you know, the littlest thing can go wrong and it completely sets them off for the rest of the day. So I always, you know, through Dan and it wasn't necessarily while he was coaching me and swimming, but it was just later in life, you know, he's been a, a mentor and stuff like that. So he's been able to show me things that I'm able to apply to my coaching, to my teaching, to heck, even my parenting, you know? So it's been, it's been cool to be able to have that relationship with a coach that, you know, I started as a teacher who gave me a D on a project that I thought I deserved an A on. Um, <laughs> I mean, we were supposed to make a video about, you know, it was driver's head. So actually, this is this so involved, completely irrelevant. No, so no, this involved the golf course. It involved the golf course. It we did involve a, a golf course. We needed to do a video on reckless driving. So we drove a, a, a Jeep through a golf course and we, I submitted that for a project and he gave me a D minus on it. Um, but to go from somebody like that to then my coach to then uh, a mentor while I was in school for education and then uh now he helps me out with, you know, stuff in school, stuff with coaching golf. So uh, it's been pretty cool that it's not just been my high school experience, but kind of a lifelong experience. Look how far we've come from damaging golf courses to, to now trying now, to help repair them. And if, keep them if somebody did that to a golf course and I witnessed it, I would try to murder that person now. Yeah. Let me ask you a, a question about reckless driving on a golf course, Tyler. Um, <laughs> ha have, have you ever fallen out of a golf cart that dan was driving i don't think so okay 
So, I don't think so. That, that, that makes one of us then. <laughs> uh, <laughs> like, I got to say, I did my, the way I drive a golf cart is the I'm, same way I'm sweating. I'm sweating. I'm sweating here laughing. Listen, Tyler, you would be very happy. And this is off the rails. I, I hope people are still listening at this point because this is just true comedy right now. Listen, uh, Scott has fallen out. <clears throat> maybe, maybe not due to some fault of my own. My own, chi- my own children have fallen out. Uh, I actually saved Drew from dying one time by grabbing the back of his neck, of his <laughs> collar, of his shirt. He was about two inches from the ground. My wife has also almost fallen out. But you will like this even more, Tyler. And I don't think you know this story. On the, what's a downhill par five hole at Pocono Hills? Number six? Uh, yeah. The, goes uh, downhill, then it goes, it goes uphill. It goes up, down, up, yeah. At yes. six. I am driving a translucent six foot tall redhead in a cart there. <laughs> it is, it is wet. It is slippery. And it's supposed to be 90 degrees. Well, I took it 90 degrees, Tyler. I took it straight from a cart path down 90 degrees and then spun around off the ball. This six foot translucent redhead hit the ground so hard and rolled about three times on the ground and got up and was just like, what the F? And I was like, how are you not paying attention? You always got to be paying attention in your golf cart. I was like, that's your fault right there. I would give any amount of money to see that. Yeah. Oh, God. Now you're crying. I literally I have tears coming out my eyes. Picture. I that. know you do. I know um, you do. I know you do. Now let me go back and answer the question. Tyler, thank you. That was very yeah. nice. It was very sweet. All the things you said. I do that truly was, appreciate that, was that. Beautiful. That was that was podcast gold right there. People are listening right now. They need to. I I might put that on the on the story to headline this show when it drops. Um, I will tell you this. What what I <clears throat> took from my coach, and it doesn't work with every golfer. Um. I use it with Leiden because he's driven and has a desire to get better, but it's just hands down, be the hardest worker in the room. Like there'll be people more talented than you. There'll be people bigger, stronger, faster, but there's no reason for anyone to ever outwork you because if they do, that's just laziness on your part, right? If people are outworking you, it's just because you don't care enough to put that time. And so that's what I try to stress on him. Um, and thankfully he has a little bit of, of, well, not, not a little bit, a ton of my drive and determination. And he's the one now pulling me to the course, to the range, to set up times on the, on the sim for lessons and, and this and that, where I'm like, hey, let's, let's chill today. It's too many days in a row hitting balls. Like, I don't want to go day without it. You know, so, so that's what I would recommend to people out there is just, especially junior golfers or collegiate golfers, uh, people playing competitive golf, just work on the right things. And work on them harder than than everyone else, you know. And you don't have to be VJ Singh, beating thirty thousand balls a day, but do it correctly, do it right, do it consistently. Be the hardest worker in the room. All right. I mean, that's a. Those are some. I think good lessons for for any sport, and obviously for for golf, you definitely want to, you know, kind of understand what your your own ability is and always be working hard touch the clubs every day and do what you got to do to get better so for sure for sure um all right so we are we good i mean we're kind of like an hour i feel like the 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 golf youth of america is in good hands um so 
Uh, Tyler, you want to hit him with the with the tagline? Either get busy golfing or get busy dying.